Thank you for tuning in to Pastor Brian Hallam's podcast series. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Once again, God bless you. We're glad you're here. We're going to start at the very beginning. We're going to talk about love, and this will apply if you're married. It'll apply if you're not married. It'll apply if you want to be married. It'll apply if you don't want to be married. But the reality is, is you can't even love somebody until you figure out how you're supposed to love somebody. You can't even love somebody until you figure out how you've been equipped to do so. If you have your Bible, open up to Genesis chapter number 1. Genesis is all the way to the left. It's the very first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter number 1. Beginning in verse number 26, the Bible says this. This is right after uh, God has spoken so many things into existence. And then all of a sudden he says, and God said, let us make man in our image and in and after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he him. You see, the image of God and the likeness of God you've been created in. The word image there is a word that indicates shade, where we would get the word like shadow would come out of. So when God created man, I want you to get a picture of how he did it. The Bible says that he was formed out of the dust of the earth. So what God did is God, through his Shekinah glory, caused a great light to come over himself and then created a shadow on the ground. Kind of, follow me here. And he passed the shadow and caused it to come on the ground. And then the Bible says that when that took place, that he formed man in his image, in his shadow. He formed him. And then the Bible says that he did it in his image and in his likeness. Well, the image would be the overall picture. So if you guys could get a shadow of me somewhere, you would see a shadow of me back here that would be, and you could trace that out and you could get the overall, uh, the big picture of what I look like. But you really wouldn't get the likeness of what I look like. So if you're wondering what God the Father looks like, He looks a lot like you. Because you're made not only in His image, meaning you don't have four legs, you have two. You're not like an old goat or an old cow or something like that. You're a two-legged human being, which is not an animal. Which, by the way, if you continue to teach people and tell people that you're nothing more than a, than a monkey that evolved, they're going to act like animals. We're not monkeys that evolve. The Bible says it right here, plain as day, that we were formed in His image and we were formed in His likeness. So then He takes that clay or that, that, that dirt that He's forming us out of and He takes and He takes old Adam and He says, well, I got two eyes, so I'll give Adam two eyes. Not like an old spider that's got a bunch of eyes. He said, I got one nose, I'm going to give Adam one nose. So He formed him not only in His image but in His likeness so that when you get to heaven and we live forever with Jesus in glory, we're going to look a lot like the God who created us. So that's what you've been created into and been created to be. Well, here's the deal. Human beings are not pre-programmed to be uh, some kind of a uh, a crazy uh, lover of all kinds of different flesh, but rather you have been pre-wired to choose how you choose to love, just like the image and the likeness of God. So you are in His image and in His likeness. Therefore, you're not just walking around some uncontrollable animal. 
You are just like God. You have decision-making capabilities. You have the ability to decide right from wrong. You have an ability. Nobody gets mad at a cow. I'll tell you a little story. We were at the house, come home one night. And I walk in, and, and there's a cat in the house, and uh, everybody likes cats, you know, you know, because they taste so good. But outside of that, outside of that, I really don't like them too much. I mean, I, it doesn't take me. You can be a 16-year-old driver, and you can already speak, you know, horn. I don't know if you talk, know what I'm talking about, but you're driving in your old car, and you're like, you're 16, you just got your license. And you know if somebody's behind you, and they go, honk. That's not nice, right? That's somebody being kind of mean behind you. But if the light turns green and you don't notice and they go, toot, toot, you know, hey, that's somebody being nice. Give them a wave and keep driving, you know? And then if you see an old dog walking across the street, you know, you toot, toot, get the little dog out of the way. You see a cat walk across the street, go, (laughs) We got two cats. They live outside. I don't know what to eat because I refuse to buy them food, but they stick around. Now, that's not a joke. We feed those rascals. But anyway... And that is a joke. So anyway, I walk in. There's this cat in the house. I'm like, what in the world is this cat doing in the house? And all of a sudden, I hear, bah. I thought, I'm in the living room. <laughs> what was that going, bah? And, and I hear Crystal scream from the bedroom, there's goats in the bedroom. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh. And I walk in there, and I don't know about you guys, but we got two goats, and they take about three steps between bathroom breaks. One, two, three, potty. One, two, three, potty. So we knew exactly where they'd been in the house, I'm just telling you. But nobody got mad at the goat for being a goat. Goats are just goats. The door was open. The goat came in. He walked around. He one, two, three, poop. One, two, three, poop. It's just what they do. So now we're, we're, we're coming in. We're cleaning up. Nobody's mad at the goats. But here's the deal. You're not a goat. Don't you be dropping waste everywhere you go. You're in the image and you are in the likeness of God. You have the ability to choose right from wrong. That old goat saw a door open, just just walked on in. He doesn't doesn't belong in my house. There's places you don't belong, and it doesn't matter if the door's open. You're not a goat. You're in the likeness and image of God. Go to Genesis chapter number 2, if you would, please. We're going to hit this fast because it's almost 8 o'clock already and we've got to work and school and everything else tomorrow. So you guys just stick with me. We've got a long way to go. We're going to try to get there in a hurry. Chapter number 2, verse number 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to dress it and keep it. Did you know you have a calling? Did you know you have a purpose? The very first man that God put two feet on and said, here's your place. He set him in a specific place and said, I want you to take care of it. Now, for a lot of you guys, you know, you feel like it's not clear. What should I do? What should I not do? What you should do until it's clear is work the ground you're in. You know, so many times we forget that the Bible promises that God will bless the work of our hand and we figure that we'll just sit idle until God shows up in a burning bush and tells us exactly where to go. The bottom line is, is you need to be caught being busy. Here's an example. Uh, There was a young man named David who became king of Israel. He killed Goliath and did a whole bunch of wonderful, awesome things. He's still considered King David. When we get to heaven, most people will probably call him King David. But there was a man named Samuel who was a prophet. And the Bible says that the king at the time was named Saul. And he wasn't doing what God had asked him to do. So the Bible says that the anointing that was on Saul was now going to go to another king. And there was soon going to be another king anointed to be uh, uh, the king of it. Another guy anointed 
anointed to be the king of Israel. So what Samuel did is God told him that you need to go to Jesse's house because one of Jesse's sons is going to be the next king. So Samuel shows up and he's got this horn uh, full of oil that he's going to go and pour over the, the one of those boys that was going to be the king of Israel. And the Bible says that Jesse says, well, let me go get my boys for you, Sam. I knew one of them was going to be, you know, probably a king one day. I mean, there's some good looking boys. And he goes and gets his biggest sons and his most uh, handsome, strapping, athletic sons. And he lines them up in a row. And Samuel walks by and goes, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you. Do you not have another boy? And Jesse says this, well, I got David. But David's ruddy. He, he's, he's not exactly what you would look for if you were looking for kingly something. And, and the bottom line is, you know, I didn't bring him here because I didn't figure you would choose him anyway. He's still so young. And Samuel says, where is he? Take me to him. He's tending the sheep. The Bible says that Samuel goes out there and says, David, I understand you're just a boy. And I understand that all you've done is tend sheep and work your whole life. But there's a day coming, and he poured that all on him, where you're going to be the king of God's nation, Israel. The Bible says that David kept tending sheep after that. God found the man he was looking for, working the field he was in. Sure, you have a calling. Sure, you have a specific place. But if you're not sure of it, if you're not sure where it is, work the land you're in right now. Even... If somebody tries to make you miss your very own anointing service, God will just bring the service to where you are. Amen? Verse number 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you can eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat for it. For, uh, for in the day that you eat thereof, you'll surely die. That's the law of first fruits right there. It's the same thing today with the tithe where God says, listen, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and I'm going to pour out blessing. But that first piece of it, that's for me. And it's not because God needs fruit from a specific tree. It's because he needs to know that you're with him. It's a heart test. It's a proving ground. See, if God had made a bunch of robots, then it wouldn't be faith to live for him. It would be simple uh, uh, robots being programmed. But you weren't programmed. You were wired to live for God. So God says, I'm giving you the ability to choose. And the only way I'll know is if you're willing to show that first fruits side of life. The whole garden is yours, son. You can have everything you want, but just leave this for me. He says, if you don't, you'll surely die. The Bible continues to say this, And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a help me. I'll make a companion for him. An aid. Verse 19. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name that was given to him. That's where we got it, ladies. That's why we think we know everything, because Adam knew the names of all the animals. You can't be mad at us. The first guy sat there. He was a know-it-all. So, well, I think we'll call that one zebra, God. I think we'll call that one rabbit. 30 minutes before church, I go home. No, maybe an hour before church, I go home. And Crystal says, Brian, there's a cow out behind the fence right there. She's been getting up laying down all day long. Getting up and laying down all day long. Well, I look, well, I'm not going to be graphic, but she was trying to deliver a calf and she couldn't. So we went out there and helped her. 
Because the, the deal is, there is a certain thing on the inside of people that is the God character of you that sees life and wants to save it. So that's why he could trust Adam, because he knew he had the goods on the inside of him. He was in the likeness and image of God. He said, I want you to take care of everything I have. So much so, Adam, I'm even going to let you name it. And Adam gave names to the cattle, the fowl, the air, to every beast of the field. Uh, but for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. Can you imagine Adam walking by and here comes two zebras and he goes, oh, zebra, zebra. Uh, here comes two elephants. Oh, great. Two tigers. You know, two cats. Pew, pew. No, I'm <laughs> My little girl would kill me, y'all. Here's two possums. Here's two snakes. Y'all need to read y'all's Bible. Snakes had legs right then. But anyway, he goes on teaching or talking, naming the animals. And then he goes, wait a minute. Lord, that bull has got a cow. And that stallion has got a mare. How come I don't have anybody? I don't know what time it hits you. But I never forget. I was 18, 19 years old. I was never the kind of guy that wanted to play games. I was never the kind of guy that wanted to just live life and, and, and whatever. And the Lord showed me a picture of my wife in a vision, just like I'm looking at a Polaroid. I prophesied exactly where she lived. There was five people in the room when it happened. They'll all confirm it. I met her a month later and listened to me. For the time period, from that time period on, I can't picture my life without her. Now, this is before we ever went on a date. When God showed me that picture, I couldn't picture life without her. I need a helpmeet. I need a companion. So God shows Adam, all the animals, he gets to name them, then all of a sudden Adam realized, man, I don't have somebody like me. And the Bible says this in verse number 21. Said the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took out one of his ribs and closed up the flesh inside thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. The Bible says that God caused a deep sleep to come on Adam. And the reason why when you find that right person, people talk about she's my other half. It feels like I've known her forever. It feels like I've known him forever. It's because literally the very first couple, the very first covenant that God instituted on earth was between a man and a woman. But the very first couple was created by taking out of one and creating two. So that means whenever one hurts, the other hurts. That means whenever one's in pain, the other's in pain. So from that standpoint, guys and gals, if you ever feel like talking down to your husband, or if you ever feel like talking down to your wife, or if you're not married yet and you're thinking about it or you want to be married one day, picture cutting your own arm. Picture hurting yourself. Because Adam said this, he said, She is bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. The two leave mom and dad and become one. Why would you ever talk ugly 
to yourself. Your wife is a part of you as closely as you can imagine. The Bible says he caused that deep sleep to come over him and he took out a rib. You know, God can do anything. Could have taken a finger. Could have taken a toe. Could have taken anything, but he said, I want to take a rib. That word rib is a very interesting word because it's used many times when it talks about building the temple later on. And it references the side of the temple. And the side of a building, like this side of the temple right here, this side of the building right here, if it wasn't here right now, we'd all be freezing for the cold wind coming in. Ladies, you're called to protect your husband in the storms of life. You're called to be that thing that stands there as a helpmeet and that stands there as a companion and says, you may try, but you're not getting to my husband. So many times we get to this idea and churches teach that, okay, man is the head and and, and man is the head of the house. And that's true. But listen how it works. The Bible says Jesus is the head, then man's the head of the household, okay? But it's not one of those things where it's the head of the house to be down on somebody else or otherwise. It's the head of the house because without one vision, there is two visions and two vision is thy vision. That means we're not going to have division. We're not going to live in division. We're going to live in in understanding and we're going to live in agreement because the Bible says it this way, that a three-strand cord is not easily broken. So when you get married or you are married, here's the deal. You've got you, you've got your spouse, and you've got the Spirit of God. And if you'll get those three cords in unison, it's not easily broken, so says the Scripture. So your whole life, and I can tell you, Crystal and I have been married for 10 years. I can count on one hand the amount of arguments that we've had, and I can count on zero hands how many I've won. But the bottom line is this. There's never been a moment in my life where we had to make a large decision where we weren't in agreement. I guess I would if it came down to it. It was a total scriptural thing. But see, my wife is so in love with the Bible and so in love with Jesus that we're in in agreement when we don't even mean to be. She's always pressing towards the mark for the prize, the high calling. If you want to know the kind of person that you ought to look for in a spouse, you look for the person that makes you want to be better. You look for the person that makes you want to live for God stronger. Turn over one chapter to chapter number three. We're almost done. The Bible says this. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the, good, uh, every tree of the garden. He's talking to Eve. And Eve said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat of it, nor, you should, nor should you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. Listen to me. The devil has lied from the beginning of time. And he will continue to lie. God loves you. God wants to bless you. The devil does not. And anytime you're hearing something in your inside that's contrary to the word of God, it's not the voice of the Lord. It's the enemy. You see, it says here that The Lord said to Adam, he said, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Well, they both eat of the tree here in just a minute, but they don't fall over dead. It's not that kind of a death. It's a spiritual death. They were dead in trespasses. 
You and I were born in sin because of this marking that took place in the garden. All of us can trace our roots back to Adam and Eve. We're born in sin, the Bible says. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's a real uh, 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 interesting thing that Adam and Eve go through. The serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. Verse 5 says, For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened. And you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's true. In the beginning, when they didn't have their eyes open, the Bible says that they didn't really know how to sin. They didn't know what sin was. That's like a little old baby. little old baby doesn't know what right and wrong is. little old baby's just a baby. They cry when they want milk. They cry when they want change. They don't know right and wrong. That's where Adam and Eve were. And then the devil comes in and gives them a half-truth. He says, he says, look, you won't die. That's not true. But then he says, you'll be able to know good and evil. Sometimes you've got to recognize that a half-truth is a whole lie. Guys, if you're telling your wife one thing, but you're really meaning something else, that's called a half-truth. Ladies, if you're manipulating your husband... It's okay, it's a Wednesday night crowd. If you're manipulating your husband by telling half-truths, that's not the will of God. The will of God is that you guys would love one another. The will of God is that you guys would live in unison with one another. The Bible says... That the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Did you know that sin is appealing? If it wasn't appealing, nobody would do it. If it didn't look like it would make sense on the outside, nobody would do it. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. And the tree was to be desired to make one wise. And she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband uh, with her. And he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The more you get in sin, the more you run from God. It's that simple. The more you do what you know you shouldn't do. Here's what the Bible says sin is, by the way, if you have a weird feeling on, on what it is. To know what is right... And to not do it. To him, that is sin. And when you do it, so, so maybe you're, you're getting involved in something you know you shouldn't be. God says don't do this, but you're doing it anyway. And, and, you, and you do it, and then you get to church, and you're sitting there during praise and worship, and, and you just want to lift your hands with everybody else, and you really want to worship God. But you feel so distant from him that you feel like you have to hide in the trees. Instead of walking and talking with your friend and father. That's what sin does. So they do this. They eat the fruit. They're hiding from God. And the Lord called him to Adam and says, Where are you? And he says, I heard the voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11 says, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree where I commanded you that you shouldn't eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave it to me, she gave me the tree. She gave me the, the fruit of the tree. Guys, don't blame your wife. Ever. If she's wrong, don't blame your wife. Let me tell you what 
Here's Jesus. There is one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus, who's constantly before the Father making intercession for you. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. You make a decision. You want to be like Jesus? You want to be like the devil? Do you want to accuse your wife? Do you want to accuse your husband? Or do you want to make intercession? So they're wrong. Whatever. Pray for them. Have a conversation. This slug it out nonsense. That's for the birds. I can speak to the guys more because I am a guy, okay? Guys, in one breath, you can do more harm than it would take 100 years to rebuild. Just by saying that thing that you know. Because when you get close to somebody, you have access. You know their weak parts. You know the parts where they feel vulnerable. And you have the ability to say this. Don't ever say it. God says, what's going on here, Adam? He goes, that woman that you gave me. God goes, Eve, what's going on here? That snake came around here. Love for real never passes the buck. Adam says the woman. Eve says the snake. God says, fine. Snake, you're going to crawl on your belly. Woman, you're going to have trouble giving birth. It's going to hurt. And I'm going to put enmity between you and the snake. And Adam, my first created, you can't stay here anymore. You've got to live outside of this place that I created for you. Not knowing that the backstory story is, is there's a whole redemption story that's coming in motion now because Adam and Eve messed it up. But the bottom line was... All two, both of them, chose to pass the buck. If you want to really love, no greater love does a man have than he lays his life down for somebody else. I have the best wife in the world. I wish she was in here more often. She's over loving on the babies, loving on on the kids and doing a phenomenal job. But she is... She is so tender and kind. She's never, she's never spoken harsh to me, ever. And again, this is not a sermon about my wife. But let me tell you what that does. It makes me want to walk through fire for her. I'm not going to talk about whether or not I'm a good husband or not. I try to be. But what I know is in the moments... When she could have said, God, that man you gave me. She said, Lord, give him strength. Help him lead this family. Lord, give him strength and guidance. Help him be the man you've called him to be. I remember one time, wasn't that long ago, there was a business deal going bad. And I was so mad, guys. Not a little bit angry, like... And I was out the door going to meet the person who was causing all the trouble. 
and I was going to get it straight. I'm walking out the door. (laughs) I'm walking out the door. And she says, can I pray for you first? And I'm like, don't need it. (laughs) Going to handle this one. She said, just for a minute, baby. She takes my hands. She says, Lord, you've given me a good husband. You've given me a good uh, husband that's a strong uh, businessman and a leader and a minister of your gospel. Thank you that you've given him peace that passes understanding. Thank you that you've blessed him with with patience, Lord God. Thank you that you open doors for us and that you fight our battles and that we don't have to fight our own battles. And thank you, Lord God, that your eyes on the sparrows, surely you'll look at us. Thank you, Lord God, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And that includes right now and this moment. You will not leave my husband as he goes to this business meeting. Thank you, Lord God, that he's the daddy to these children that they need. And he sets the example by faith of what a man of God ought to be in this life and on and on and on and literally I go from frothing at the mouth angry to being so thankful for this little sweet woman that God gave me and all I could think of was I'll do anything for her not because she blames me and guilted me into something but because in the moment When the winds of life were blowing, she was that partition that protected me. It was my help meet in my time of need. So if you're not sure what love is, this is just the first topic. This is really, I've got lots and lots more I'm just not going to do tonight. This is just the first topic. We're going to go through several different areas. But if you don't take anything away from tonight, whether it's to your husband, whether it's to your wife, whether it's to that loved one, whether you're believing God for that, now's the time to get prepared. If you want to ever be married, now's the time to get prepared. Don't get prepared when you get married. That's called a bomb. It'll go off in your face. What I'm saying is, ladies... Be that go-between that stops the winds of life from getting in the house. Guys, she's a part of you. Be gentle all the time. Amen? Stand to your feet if you would. I'm done teaching. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.